They say that a mind is a terrible thing to waste. Well, generally, that's a true statement. But in this case, there really isn't much mind left in D. Scott's head anyway, so the only thing we're really wasting here is your time. Welcome inside the mind of D. Scott. Ladies and gentlemen, we are experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. All right, episode 52 of uh, Inside the Mind of D. Scott, joined by a special guest, which the guests have kind of not been coming around all that much lately. Actually, that's probably my fault because I'm not really uh, reaching out to anybody to get them on the podcast. But uh, B. Martin, Brendan Martin, who is, you are like the jack of all trades, like for mm-hmm. real. You you do everything. You're a recording artist. You're a producer. Uh, you're into self-care. Are you a life coach or something to that effect, too? Yeah, like, um, so it's like, of course, like right as the podcast starts, it's like a fucking right outside my door randomly. It's all right. Fucking, am I allowed to curse, by the way? I'm like, yeah, no, it's fine. It's like, you need a muffler, bro. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, just I do some like coaching. So I'll coach artists, you know, to get in touch with their creativity and just kind of like execute in their career in an efficient way. And also, um, yeah, self, I'd say like transformational coaching, like, understanding what uh, you could say demons or darkness or limitations or patterns that you have existing inside you that are kind of running you subconsciously getting awareness of those and letting go of those but you know ultimately it's like the more I'm able to work on myself the more I'm able to lead by example a little bit that makes sense no no, it makes perfect sense the the ironic thing is uh to get you on my other podcast that I do which is called psychic on the scene with Katie Manning and Michelle Lyons Polito, who are both psychic mediums from the capital region. And uh, wow. we have done, we did an episode with Drew Callie, who is, uh, who does guided meditations and is also a psychic medium. And, uh, and I know I was literally, before we started uh, getting involved in this, I, I said how I was like, damn, you're busy. Cause I was literally just watching the, the Instagram live that you were doing. And you were talking mm-hmm. about meditation and basically like, letting go of the shit that you're you're kind of dwelling on and stuff like that so i'll talk to katie and michelle and if you're down i know you're a busy dude but if you're down no i'm down i I love that shit more and yeah really meditation really is just like things come up in meditation and and a lot of people will attach to them Mm -hmm. but things come up every in life it's always kind of coming up so learning to like look at it and be like oh like from an observer perspective and kind of let it go instead of like attached to that story or like, what does this mean? Or let me try to understand this. That's all the ego needing productivity and needing it to work and needing it to go right. And just by kind of like observing it, letting it go, getting back into the body, into the physical sensations, you know, kind of lets go. And it goes into everything that we do too, because that's where the creativity is. It's not in our like mind, like, Ooh, this is going to be creative. Like it's more, (laughs) we receive it almost, you know? Right. No, I I definitely get that because I know, I, I not to the extent because I don't I don't create quite as much like you do, but like when I'm doing radio stuff, if I have to write a promo for the radio station, yeah, and I get put on the spot where it's like, hey, we need this, we got to get it on the air tomorrow. Can you write a promo? Huh. And I like my biggest pet peeve for me in radio is writing that basic promo for the voice guy to just basically tell the information. I wanted I want to put it out there in a more ear catching way. So that when the listener hears it, they go, oh, that's that's interesting. That sounds like something I would want to be a part of instead of just going, you know, the radio station, the details on the promo, close right. the promo, which I used to hate that. Like my boss would come up and go, dude, uh, I'm busy today. Can you write a promo real quick? We got to get it Ooh. voiced by the end of the day. And I'm like, oh, man, like I got to like I have to be in the mood to be creative. It's not just something I was like, I'm right. not. I'm not fucking Eminem. What the fuck? You think I just got ideas bouncing yeah. around in my head? Like, so. It's just like, yo, you're just a marketing genius. Here you go. Like, just, <laughs> just And the thing is, too, like, for that, I have other responsibilities at the radio station where I'm not just the guy that's on the air. I have, I have an office job with the station as well. So I'm already wow. handling three different markets of scheduling commercials for them. And mm. it kind of takes up my time so it's not like i just sit there and go i'm just gonna stop working for a minute and write up a 30 second promo hang on you know (laughs) and get to work yeah creativity is very interesting we were talking about the other day at a session me and my boy rob 
um, my artist that he was also on that call. We had the session and, and the, the producer's like making the beat and it's like almost done. He's like, okay guys, go write the verse and come back in in like 30 minutes. And we're like, okay. And we did it, but he was kind of feeling like, damn, like we need to feel inspired. I want to, I want to take our time. I want to make sure it's perfect. Um, and I think, I think there's something to be said for both. I think you can take your time and you can feel inspired, but I think, you know, people who are professionals, songwriters, for instance, they have to perform every day, every time. Right. And I think there's some kind of energy. Like if you're like, I'm going to get this done, you know, then the mm -hmm. universe is like, oh, he's going to get it done. We got to, we got to send resources, <laughs> creativity resources to him. But if you're kind of like, I don't really want to do this right now. I don't think I can get it done. It's you're kind of telling the universe, like, um, you know, the universe is like, oh, he doesn't really need to get it done. He's not really feeling like it. Let's focus on the people who are like getting it done. Right. So I don't know. I teeter totter between both of those spectrums because I absolutely think that quality comes from space and thoughtful energy. But a lot of these songwriters out here, man, they'll they write songs in 30 minutes and they're hits. You know, it's like flow. They get into like this, like they, they can tap into this kind of space. So, you know, it's an interesting thing, man. It's a good way to look at it, though. I, I, I like what you said there. It was I probably although now my my responsibilities and doing that stuff are kind of gone. I don't really have to worry about that stuff. And we have a service that does all the stuff for us. Oh, cool. and, and our promotions director has been tasked with putting it all together because of uh, layoffs and stuff like that. So I'm like, yeah. she doesn't she doesn't come to me. She knows I'm busy. But at the time, had I been more like I need to get this done. And it's this is this stuff was happening prior to me being a part of the psychic on the scene podcast, which has really changed a lot of my thought process and, and kind of just the way I approach things because I wasn't really aware of, you know, putting that energy out into the universe and getting it in return. It was more like, fuck me. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I can't do this. You're right. just thinking and that's what it is. You're not right. aware of the thoughts and trying to consciously shift them or the pattern. Yep. So yeah. I was like that until I was like 22, 23. And then I kind of came online. I'm like, oh, I'm kind of <laughs> doing all, I'm like thinking all this shit all day. Like, is it good? Should I be thinking? It? And then there's like that <laughs> long period of like uh, overthinking what I'm thinking about. So not only are you thinking, but you're judging what you're thinking. And that goes on for years. But eventually there's a shift of like, oh, like I'm just kind of in flow of, I don't know. It's just no, just knowing. You know, mm -hmm. it's not like thinking anymore. It's like knowing and speaking yeah. from a place. It's kind of like becoming fluent in another language. You don't have to think about it anymore, but there's always growth. So it's not like you're, anyone gets to a level of perfection, you know? And, I, and it has a lot to do with, uh, I would say, repetition and doing it more often. You know, mm -hmm. where like, I heard you guys talking about meditation, which I have tried a couple of different times. I usually do most of my meditating in the shower. Uh, oh, cool which won't, I, we're not going to get into visuals on that one. Cause I don't, that's just, we're just, we're just not going there, but good, good. <laughs> like, wow, this shit went weird. I'm, I'm appreciative of that, of that <laughs> withholding of information. But I think it has a lot to do with just the calming of the water. And uh, mm -hmm. it, it's kind of where I can slow my thoughts down enough and focus more on my breathing and, and just kind of, mm -hmm. I've done it more so with, uh, with anxiety that I deal with and stuff like that. I'm, if I'm super anxious about the day or whatever the case may be, I'll go into the, you know, I'll, I'll take my shower and I focus on my breathing and I calm my brain down and I stop thinking essentially for a couple of minutes. And usually the, the, the anxiety subsides and, and the, you know, and then I wash and stuff. I'm not just in the water. Like I, I clean myself in the shower too. But That's I, excellent. It's good to hear. That's part of the meditation is like no cleaning, just meditating. <laughs> Yeah. just the water yep. my yeah, wife no, hates I, it because i smell but it's, it's <laughs> no, no i spend the i spend a couple of minutes you know calming myself down and then once that i i kind of feel like all right we're good well then i get the body wash and the shampoo and the face wash and i oh. clean myself for the day because there's no need to not clean myself i don't want to feel dirty so you know right, right even though i don't see a soul pretty much all day long unless i go to the grocery store it's like uh well i'm clean for the dog that's great so that no but like i feel you because since the pandemic happened i've been like waking up running meditating and then showering after the workout and doing my hair and even putting on an outfit then going into the studio even though i might not most of the time don't have anybody that i'm working with um it gives me a level of like 
you know, like I'm like I'm fresh and I'm awake mm -hmm. and, you know, I'll do the cold water at the end of the shower just to kind of like wake me up even more. Okay. Um, but yeah, I love that because I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, I don't have to shower today or I could lay in bed all day. And it's like just by kind of like pretending for a little bit that we yep. have a day or that we yeah. have to be somewhere. It, it creates that energy and whether it's being online or being on a call like this, like if I was like in bed, I'd probably just be like, what's up, man? Like, you know, <laughs> chilling. I've been watching movies all day, but there's a certain like wake energy I have because I've been moving. Um, but yeah, I feel you. Yeah, no, I, uh, I've noticed more so recently uh, with doing my show, like I feed, a, I feed a lot off the energy of being around people when I come mm -hmm. into, I, everything I do is recorded. Uh, for those people that are listening to this podcast that also happen to listen to me on the radio, I'm not live. I, there's just, it's just a radio thing now. Um, mm. But I feed off that energy of like that human interaction. So when we were in the office, cause I'm kind of like the class clown around here. Like I get my work done, but I'm always trying to make people laugh and I'm saying the most outlandish within the rules. So I don't have to go to HR shit that I right, right. possibly say. <laughs> and then I would come in to do my show and I would, you know, I, I noticed that because I was talking to people, it was more, my, my show flowed a little bit better. My, you know, my delivery and what I was saying was a little bit more outside the box thinking, but now without talking to people all day long, when I come in, I'm like, holy shit, it's been like 10 hours since I talked to a person. Wow. And so it's like, you're trying to, and, and that's essentially what, we're doing in radio is we're supposed to talk to one person. That's it. We're supposed to have a person in mind. We're speaking to that person. Got you. Uh, I've been in radio for 21 years. I have never approached it that way. I have always <laughs> just kind of said stuff on the air. Cool. And that's kind of how it works. I mean, it, and it's worked for me, but it, I guess it doesn't work for everyone. But when I haven't spoken to people, except for maybe on like a team's call or you know, even just a team's chat, I'm sitting there going, I don't even know how to talk to people right now. What am I doing? Right. So it's, it's getting to a struggle, but it's looking like, you know, come April around here, things are really going to loosen up. So maybe I'll get to like see people besides my kids. Cause that would be beautiful. I would love yeah, it. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And that's why I've been trying to do like weekly calls with certain friends and I, and, or, just, just connect with people over FaceTime. And I was saying on my last call, I'm single now. So like, instead of being on the app, like trying to like find new girls, like just actually creating a FaceTime call with them and having a real deep conversation or it doesn't have to be deep, but just having like me somewhat meaningful, thoughtful, layered connections mm -hmm. aside from like DMs on fucking Instagram <laughs> um, to create that momentum and that energy and that, you know, and that playful energy. Cause that for me too, it's like, if I'm killing it all day and I'm doing shit and I see a girl and I'm like chilling my boys, like whatever. And then I go into the studio, it's kind of like, all right, like I'm feeling it. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? I throw on a beat and the shit just flows. Whereas if I come in the studio first thing in the morning, which I do, and it's, and it's a fucking like, like slug, you know, I'm like slugging through or trying to get through and it's kind of hard, but, um, that I, I hear what you're saying. Like it just creates like the social ability and awareness and flow. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think with the pandemic and whether it'll be done next month or not, um, you know, I'm sure some people have similar circumstances to the pandemic, whether it's just being in a relationship with one person and you're always with that person. And that feels kind of like heavy, which mm -hmm. I think any, anything would, you have to find ways to create routines or contacts like, start a small business with somebody or start a weekly call or go on a walk every Tuesday with this person or a hike. And just those routines and those boulders in your, in your schedule can, I think, you know, create some, like some of that momentum you're talking about. Yep. Oh, absolutely. I noticed for like myself, although it was last year, cause it was, it's, it's warm weather stuff. So I was talking about being mm -hmm. a golfer and uh, I was getting no. out like, like twice a week, two to three times a week, which for me, Wow. I played more golf last year than I played. I've been playing golf since I was 13 and I played more golf last year than I have any other year since I started playing the game. And I also found out that going out by yourself is not as bad as some people think because you don't have, you know, it's it. And I would walk a lot of times I would ride, uh, but I'm only playing nine holes and I would walk. So I got my pull cart and I'm out there just kind of, 
with myself in between shots. So now mm. you're walking, essentially you're walking through the woods because golf courses in upstate New York are just cut out of the woods. So I noticed how much more relaxing the game actually is when you're playing by yourself, because it's kind of an escape from everything else. It's just me, the golf ball and, you know, my shitty golf shots. So it's <laughs> that's great, man. I love that. That's so, that's so great that you figured that out. And then I feel like winter comes around. It's like, all right, I can't do that for eight months right. or whatever yeah. it is. So like, is there any winter things that you could be doing or like, that's what I love about out here, man, because the weather is just always, it's either like 70 to 80 or it's like 80 to 90, but it very rarely dips below 70. Right. The whole are year. In, are you in LA? Yeah, I'm right in LA. Nice. Okay. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. I got a, I have a few friends, uh, a friend of mine from, oh God, probably I think sixth or seventh grade. I've known him lives wow. out there with his family and uh, he actually works for the Donner company um, or he used to. Donner Company is the uh, the production company that put out uh, like the Goonies. Oh, um, uh, try, he's Richard Donner has done a, a bunch of stuff. Actually, my friend Derek, who I've had on the podcast um, a while back, they just did like a live reading on YouTube hmm. of the Goonies. So they had the entire cast, well, the cast that's still alive, and <clears throat> they read it live. So it was kind of like it was a Zoom call for them. But it was on Facebook and it was Mikey and Chunk and, you know, everybody from the Goonies. So I texted my friend because I was watching it and I was like, yo, this is great. He goes, it looks okay. I go, yeah, it looks great. He texts me back. He goes, because it's fucking chaos over here. He was actually one of the people producing the whole thing. Wow. So I was like, yeah. So, but he's out in L.A. So I get to hear all the wonderful stories about how nice it is all the time. And I have friends in San Diego and they're like. Dude, it's always nice. I'm like, all right. He fucking came from Albany. Shut up. Like, you know. Like, right. Yeah, like my, dude. <laughs> tough back there, man. Both uh, my parents are, stayed out here. Oh, sorry. Continue. No, both my parents are down in Florida, too. And they're like, how was it today? I'm like, uh, 12. I'm like, oh, it was 85 here. I'm like, okay, thanks. It's great. Right. Thanks so, for thinking it. I call my dad every day. I have my shirt off. I'm like, just <laughs> finished my run. He's like, put a fucking shirt on, man. What are you doing? I'm like, Dad, 75 and sunny. I don't have to put a shirt on. I just woke up. He's like, oh, okay, Brian. No, I don't understand it out there. Cali boy. <laughs> nice. I'm like, all right, Dad. He's from the Bronx. Jewish from the Bronx. It's hilarious. Nice. That I've noticed that the Bronx accent never goes away. Like, <laughs> no matter what and where they live. I have a friend, uh, Eddie Hernandez, who is who works for a competing radio station, but I've had I actually doesn't anymore. I've had him on the podcast and I've known him since I started in radio and he spent, I think like maybe the first 13 years of his life in the Bronx gotcha. and he's lived up in Lake George the rest of his life. And he's in his forties now. And he's still <laughs> hey, over there. How you doing? I'm like, right, right. and it's like, and he couldn't live any further from the city. He's on Lake Luzerne. Like it's like, <laughs> damn. You know, but it, it never goes away. So listening to him on the radio, he and I have uh, one of the greatest radio stories that I've ever been involved in, aside from the one time when I worked at a station and uh, they were doing, we were doing a live broadcast from DJs in Lake George and DMX was there. And uh, my boss and the night guy were doing this live broadcast and they put DMX on the radio live. Wow. Uh, I mean, we're, we're all pretty well aware of what DMX says all the time and how okay, he speaks okay, and how I he speaks. Right. And one of them said, yo, kick a free stop. And I'm like, oh, so I, I didn't hear this live. I came in the next morning and the kid that was doing the overnights was like, yo, did you hear what happened last night? I was like, no, I was sleeping because I had to be here at six o'clock in the morning. So I'm pretty sure I passed out drunk and now I'm here. What's up? <laughs> He goes, uh, they put DMX on the radio live last night. He's like, you want to hear it? I'm like, you bet your ass I want to hear it. Right. First thing out of his mouth is he's like, he drops the N-word. Hmm. Talking shit is what he followed that up with. Talks, says some other stuff that I don't remember. Uh, he gets done. And uh, the one guy that was on the air goes, oh, the FCC doesn't bother me. 
which DMX then followed up with, send me the bill. I'll pay the motherfucker on the radio. It's like, wow. like we can't say any of this on the on the air live. So that was that was the one thing. The other thing that I was talking about was Eddie uh, getting us getting himself in trouble. First time I had seen him in about 11 years. And I walk into the studio. He's on before me. And he goes, oh, hang on one second. I got to talk. Says the radio station. He's like, I got to go. My mom's here to pick me up. D Scott's on next. He was talking into Tattoo by Jordan Sparks. He goes, yo, D, would you plow Jordan Sparks? Oh, no. And I go, her driveway? Because I was like, I'm not I'm not getting involved in this. He goes, yeah, That's would you? Answer. He's like, would you face down Heine up so you could see a tattoo and be all cool with it? And I'm just like, what? <laughs> and uh, he was then forced to do overnights after that uh, that was like oh, a no. i'm pretty sure that was a sunday afternoon at like two o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> would you plow jordan <laughs> yeah Did uh, mommy, what not, does plow mean right that was uh i think our boss got like 55 emails complaining about what really <laughs> yeah holy crap that's uh, hilarious our, yeah my dad is definitely i'm always like honing him in like can't say that i'm not gonna <laughs> laugh at that it might be funny but, you know, like I'm trying to teach you how to behave around me because one day I might want to bring you somewhere, maybe. Right. Um, so, you know, like none of that, none of that, you know. And I used to get I used to get upset about it. And, you know, I think that's like there, obviously we're in kind of cancel culture and there's a lot of, you know, what you can say and what you can't say. And there's also context. And some of these people are just so old and so stuck in their ways. And we've made such incredible progress. And, you know, I just think it's, it's important to recognize like the context in which things are said mm -hmm. and, and do what you can to, you know, to, to teach people not to, but I, I think canceling them is almost suppressing the darkness. You know, it's like, they're letting their darkness out. And then you're like, yo, that's dark. And then they can be aware of that and can kind of like quiet it and also maybe uh, fix it and, and heal it. Versus if you're like, no darkness, no darkness, no darkness, then everyone just has it stuck in them. Right. They don't get taught, you know, so everyone's scared to say everything and they're, and they're stuck, you know? So I don't comment on it much, but um, I just kind of stay out of it. I, I don't really like put out posts on, obviously there's, so many people suffering right now all around right. the world all different genders and races and i don't post about it because it is such a like narrow window of what i'm actually allowed to say and it's not true what i right. how i feel so i value truth and therefore i don't really post about it but obviously there's a lot of people suffering i have compassion empathy and try to do what i can for myself to heal myself because i think that's an example for others to try to heal themselves you know and whatever they're going through however they're suffering I like that. Uh, it, and, you know, it kind of sucks, though, that I feel like even if you were to find the right way to put that out there on social media to to your following, it would get taken wrong by someone. And then you'd just be like, yeah, well, great. Now I'm in this room. And how do I get out of here? Because I even because I feel like a lot of times, no matter how good you your intentions are. If someone takes it wrong. Like I said, boom, now you're in this box and you're like, well, shit, that's not where I wanted to be and how I wanted to get here. It's not what I meant, which is also a reason why there's a lot of things that I just don't comment on. I kind of I found this amazing thing that I've, apparently is a lost art. It's called scrolling past it. It is mm. like <laughs> it's weird. I'm like, I'm, like I'm on my phone. I'm like, well, I don't agree with that, but good for you. And I'll keep on going. And I'm like, that really wasn't that hard. Why can't everybody else do that? Right. Oh, and I, I don't have a major fun. I just really started uh, hitting TikTok up. I started this series, The Truth About Radio. Cool. Um, and I had said something on one of my posts because it was more so, I mean, we all deal with it in radio, but for me, I've been doing this 21 years. So you get a lot, you know, you go out, you're doing an event uh, when we could. And uh, right. you get a lot of people that are like, oh, oh, no, I've never heard of you. And I'm like, yeah, I don't. That's all right. That's fine. Um, and then we get the, well, nobody listens to radio. And I had said something in my post, like, well, people are listening to radio. It's okay. If you don't want to admit that you listen to radio, that's between you and your therapist, which for me was kind of like a, it was just a little, like a joke. And this one dude's like, I was right up with, I was up with you right up until the, the therapist comment. 
He's like, it's a shame that you let people get to you like that. I'm like, for 21 years, I want someone to come up to you in your profession and just tell you how nobody fucks with your profession anymore. And then let me know how you react to that. Because it's like, right. like I, I know that people are listening. They, they put out a ton of different statistics. And I think it's something like 98% of people are still listening to the radio. Wow. So, and I kind of let his comment go. It, I mean, I went, hmm. It bothered me for a minute because I'm like, you really didn't even need to say anything. You could have just kept it moving. But um, I, it's rare that I have to deal with. And although I would like to have more followers on TikTok for specific reasons that I don't want to get to get into on the podcast. Um, I was just like, yeah, you kind of could have let that one go. So and somebody else said I think somebody else said something about nobody listening to radio. I was like, see, there we go. <laughs> yeah it's 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 uh you know it's there's like these storylines that people have that you know and i'm sure like maybe some people don't and they think because their group or their circle doesn't is like that's everybody and clearly it's not like you said the statistics are coming out and you guys are seeing the hundreds of thousands of people who are tuning in it's like okay nobody's listening and i see the numbers every day (laughs) it's like it's like somebody be like, you're broke. It's like, all right, well, my bank looks good. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, all right, I'm broke. Fine. You got me. Sounds like you're broke. I mean, no, maybe nobody listens to you. Nah, we're being a little, we're being a little mean, but you, you get it. It's like, it's like, oh, it's popular to pick on people who are on the radio now for a few minutes until that also becomes like, like, how dare you? I'm a, anyway, I'm not going to get into it, but. I'm going to cancel you for picking on me. You know what I mean? Like, why don't we just be nice to each other and treat each other with love? Like no matter what the, you know, um, thing is, but anyway, we're getting into hot water here. Talking about loving everybody. (laughs) Now it's, listen, there, if if anyone has listened to any of the other episodes that I've done, we're, we are completely fine. Trust me. Um, Speaking of uh, canceling, not to talk too much about it, but have you seen the movement about trying to cancel Eminem? No, I haven't. Yeah. Although, if there is one to cancel, not that <laughs> I think that is, but his shit is fucking ridiculously crazy. I, I actually can't believe that he hasn't been canceled yet now that I'm thinking about it for the first time. And he's one of the greatest artists of our time. But right. uh, no, I haven't. I'd love to know. I'd love to know more about that. They, um, well, what it is apparently was. It, it dawned on them that the song uh, Love the Way You Lie, he ends the song with the lyric, if she ever tries to leave again, I'm a tire to the bed and set this house on fire. Mm. And that's what they wanted. That, that was the line that they focused on as okay. to why Eminem should be canceled. And I was like, so you've never heard the Marshall Math or the Slim Shady LP? Yeah, have you heard Kim? Yeah. Or Screaming in the Trunk. 97 body and Clyde like it was like wow so and there I mean uh there are I think it's gen gen whatever I fall into which I'm not even sure I think gen x and the millennials have really come to the defense of Eminem kind of going you have no because it's gen z that's doing this they're like you have no idea how many people that man's music has helped Hmm. by you know his honesty and so not necessarily those really really graphic songs about you know killing his wife and you know all that fun right. shit but uh so helpful for all the killing i've done maybe <laughs> realize that other people are killing them <laughs> but you know i actually um for me personally and i feel like i always talk about eminem on this podcast i must be a fan of his but um he had so- he had the song no love with lil wayne and mm-hmm. also not afraid which it was a hit for him but it it hit me Cause it like the, it came out during the time that I was laid off from radio. I was out of it and I was trying to kind of get myself back to get, like compose my thoughts and bring myself back to a positive space because it was a tough time. Mm. And not to mention the verse that he dropped in no love was absolutely insane. But I'm alive again, more yes. alive than now. You've been in my whole entire life. I can't yep. fucking crazy. And it was just like, and I was, I like to, but to hear that and to, and also with not afraid, I was like, that helped me. So to hear the, these people go, oh, we're going to cancel him. But then he dropped the video for uh, Tone Deaf in his response to the people trying to cancel him. So, mm. but 
He seems uh, more consciously aware, you know, and a little bit, a little bit like he cares more. I think he's sober. So oh, I'm yeah. proud of him for sure. And yeah. It's, uh, it's 11, weird. 11, 12 years sober, I think for him, which is, wow. yeah, good, good for him. I guess, you know, the near death experience really, really will do that, but, mm. but that's great. I mean, whatever it took, that's, it's good. Cause man, it would suck to really not have him here. So um, let's talk a little bit about your, your music career, which um, the one thing I've, I've grown up in the capital region. And first of all, I found out you went to Colony High. That's pretty fucking awesome. Cause yeah, so did yeah. I. Oh, you I, did. I graduated uh, Colony High 94. Oh, dope. I'm 2006. Oh, you are a lot younger than I am. So I'm a little bit younger, but um, we're both we're both uh, old, so it doesn't really matter. We're both <laughs> above thirty. We're we're you know these kids are like I'm I'm eight and I'm making a million dollars on TikTok. What are you doing? I'm like yeah. recording a song. They're like <laughs> oh, cool, bro. You that was cool like 19 years ago. It was there was a, an episode of Wildin' Out where they had on a little a very young girl who I think is a YouTuber or something like that. And she was part of the wild style. And her closing verse was, uh, y'all work for Nick, I work for me. And just like shut down the wild style. And it was fucking hilarious. Cause I was like, that's embarrassing. Cause they're all adults. And she was like nine. <laughs> right. So, but yeah, it's um, a crazy world. So first of all, how did you start rapping? Like what got you involved in hip hop music? Or rap music, I should say. Yeah, I mean, definitely listening to Eminem, Nas, Biggie, Jay-Z. I mean, I know those are like the most popular kind of rappers maybe of all time. But the, those, Bone Thugs and Harmony, um, who was my other fave? Um, I can't remember it right now. Big, Big L, I loved okay. um, growing up. And like, and Backstreet Boys, and NSYNC in the top 40. And so I just always grew up listening to music. My brother would always bump it in the car. So he was seven years older. And so I, would, I was always ahead of my time and what I was listening to, Lil' Kim, just, you know, the DJ Clue, Professional Part Two, Part One, like loved it, loved M. And so I think it was like in my DNA a bit. And then there was a piano in the house. Um, and the, I think all those things were like somewhat of the foundation. Mm-hmm. And then there's this kid, Danny Matlin, who uh, rapped in my hometown. Now, still the best freestyle um, rapper I know. Like he can okay. freestyle for an hour and just line after line that's like crazy and <laughs> super dirty, super raunchy. Like it's 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 really quality, high quality shit. But uh, so seeing him kind of inspired me to rap and I'd write little raps here and there. And then when, you know, I'd always try to get in the studio with him. He wouldn't really like, you know, I mean, he, it's hard to know who's serious and I wasn't at the time. But then when I switched schools to Colony, um, there was this kid, Matt Green, who invited me over one day and like on this little mic on a computer. Um, and, and so he sent me a beat, like Kill Bill, like you shot me down, bang, bang, you hit the mm-hmm. ground, bang, bang, you settle you down, that beat. And uh, and I wrote this crazy verse. Uh, still, I'm still like, damn, I wrote that. Like, it's such a good <laughs> verse. And uh, I went to his place, spit it. We dropped it. And then this kid dissed me um, uh, at my school. And then I wrote a diss track about him. And that got really big. So that was like the start um, in high school. And then all through college, I was recording. I actually met this kid in high school who I was recording at. And one day I went to his place. And I went and I like knocked and went in because like we had that relationship and I went downstairs and the studio looked completely different. And I was like, what the heck's going on? And come to realize, oh shit, I'm in the wrong studio. Oops. And the house right next door had a recording studio. So I leave and, and the kid, as I'm leaving, the kid's like, can I help you? And I'm like, <laughs> dude, I'm so sorry. I was coming next door to the studio. It's like, no problem. Come in, come look at my studio. Right. And then, so it's funny. That's how I ended up recording with him, like all through college, like until junior year. And then, uh, so, so that was cool. I recorded some in Spain. And then when I was like in junior year of college, I went to Big Face uh, Entertainment's recording studio, like Ritz Crack and um, Anthony and, and just uh, Capital P and all these like rappers, rappers. And then them mixing my voice kind of like made me realize like, damn, I can like, I can sound good. You know, like mm-hmm. my, I, didn't, right. I didn't know I did like a good rapping voice. And they were like, you know, really impressed. And they brought me on all these shows. 
and I'm giving you the whole, the whole, you're like, how'd you start? I'm like, well, first I was born. <laughs> Sudden burst of light, wetness <laughs> all around me. And you're like, all right, bro, wrap it up. No, no it's um, fine. But yeah, so it went from that to recording a lot with them. We opened for Wu-Tang, we opened for Raekwon, um, a lot of cool acts. And then I started branching off from them, putting out content. Um, and then I won that T-Pain competition where I got on his mixtape album. And from there, like Northern Lights back then, it was called that. I, right. I forget what it's called now. Upstate Concert Hall. Upstate Concert Hall is a dope name too. But they reached out. Northern Lights was kind of a doper name. No offense, <laughs> but they reached out to open for Mac Miller. And yeah, it was it was incredible. Like opening for him was like, it was packed to the brim with kids who were just, I was like, I came out, put your hands in the air. And everyone was just like, two hands up, like wave them, just wave them. And I was like, holy shit. I was like, 518, I hope you're feeling good. Cause I know I am and I don't drink much, but I probably should let you know that I had a little bit tonight before you, that's probably good. Cause I'm about to rip it better than I ever did. Be more on the mic, what's good? And they were just like, ah, and I was like, holy shit. So that was like the craziest experience ever. Just like getting to open for him. And then after that, I started opening for him a lot. Um, I did shows like in Pittsburgh, Albany, a, a few. And then um, just all throughout New York, I started opening for Mac Miller. J. Cole, Big Sean. I did a bunch with J. Cole. Uh, and yeah, all of that kind of led to like getting offers from all these labels. And I ended up signing with basically the wrong label mm -hmm. in like 2011. And, you know, I, I wouldn't call them the wrong label. It was the wrong fit for me, I think, for my right. mind state at the time. You know, I mean, the way that I wanted to run things and the way they wanted to run things. And um, so we tried and we, we did make it work for a little and it led to like a bigger deal coming in. And then the, the bigger label Warner, it was like Dre's people, um, people who developed Eminem, mm -hmm. they were trying to recruit me and they just couldn't come to a deal, you know? Right. And, um, and then like, we tried all this other shit. It was just, it was just kind of messy, honestly. And I think they were still learning how to really like run a label. And I was still learning how to be on a label and be an artist you know, and, and how to, you know, appreciate that. So that, you know, we kind of had a falling out and we, you know, did a little attempt to make it work. But in that time, I started like building a studio and recording myself and mastering Pro Tools, started developing artists. Eventually I signed one, signed two, and then I got out of the deal. And so I was able to kind of work behind the scenes, developing mm -hmm. others, songwriting. I had some placements. And now I'm finally out. Um, about a year ago, I got out. And now I'm finally going to release my own shit, my artist stuff. My, my One of my artists has a budget. Um, we got like an investor, such a sweet lady who's helping us out. And um, that artist is Robert Palmer Watkins. He's like pretty cool TV star. He's, he's had a lot of cool movies out. And now, but he's got a dope voice. Right. And he's just a good communicator. So we've been able to write songs that are really true to him nice and uh yeah so i've been working with him and my other artist brandon montel and then just working with a ton of artists around la some famous some still up and coming mm -hmm. um and i love it i love that and um that that's what i've been doing for the last few years so that's kind of where i'm at i skipped like certain highlights and things but whatever <laughs> you know, oh it's fine um i did hear i i listened to a, a podcast that you did not that long ago i don't think it was that long ago it was uh i, I found it in la times uh I, can't, I cannot remember the name of the podcast but it was a friend of yours and you had yeah, mentioned Brian, uh it was like purpose but how to find purpose with br yes, and, find, find cool. purpose for and uh and one of the things I heard you say i'll go back to the t-pain situation was you you basically said he was one of the most underrated artists that are mm. out there and ironically because t-pain has become tiktok famous because you know he's got a couple of different sounds on tiktok that so now the younger kids my daughter my youngest daughter's 13 years old and like she's got a <clears throat> she did a video with i think uh buy you a drink was the song and i was like all right first of all slow to fuck down you're 13 years old but I, right. I the one day i said to her i go have you ever heard t-pain sing without autotune and she's like, no, I didn't realize. I'm like, listen to him without auto tune. I was like, that was kind of his, 
shtick, if you will. Like, you know, him and Akon kind of made it their thing. I was like, yeah. I was like, that dude can sing like mm. a motherfucker. He can. I was like, he didn't need auto tune at all. I don't know why we, why they decided that, but damn, that man can sing. And I couldn't agree with you more in saying that he was one of the, he is one of the most underrated artists that were out or still out. Yeah. People write him off because of that one thing. And, and I understand like that sound is like, Oh, it's like, Oh, you can't sing, but he definitely can. Mm-hmm. And he uses it as an effect, as a tool, not as a crutch. And there's right. a difference between anything in life. Like if you smoke some weed once in a while, for instance, and it's like you use that to be creative and to unwind versus like using it as a crutch. I used it as a crutch. That's why I quit it because mm-hmm. I would like feel anxiety and then smoke weed. And then the next day would it be even more because I didn't address the things that were giving me anxiety. So th- there's a difference between using a, something as a tool and using it as a crutch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but T-Pain, you know, he's also writing all his own stuff. He's producing right. it all. He's managing all the relationships to be, you know, on a label and to put stuff out. He's putting stuff out on his own label. He's got producers, writers. Like, it takes so much to be an artist. Um, and a lot of it is, like, self-taught. So I have respect for anybody who's making it. But him, he's just, like, dope. Um, yeah. and, and he's a part <laughs> of huge hits and great melodies, beautiful melodies. It, it's a lot. Yeah, he's... He's something else. I saw something on because uh, I I was I accidentally came across him on TikTok, not just mm. his sound, but his actual TikTok, and oh. and he was he did a he was rapping about his his uh, Twitch account that he has and getting people to follow it and stuff because he's a gamer as well. But oh, it was in, so he was rapping about his Twitch channel, which and I was like, man, there's probably another thing that people don't realize that T Pain can rap too it's mm. not just he's not just a singer but he I, started I feel, as a rapper right i believe so I, he had to have i don't i don't know much about his background but something tells me yes and i also feel like if you are if you can write the way that he did and sing i also feel like you probably might not be the best rapper might not have the greatest voice to rap but i feel like you can rap because you're still writing a song you're just yes. delivering you're delivering it different that's all True. If you're if you're telling stories in your rap and you're not just doing the ribbity rapidy 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 stuff that just a bunch of words that rhyme. But that's yeah. neither here that's neither here nor there. Another thing that I do appreciate about your music is there's content in your music and there's like mm-hmm. a message, which is lost. It's like a it feels like a lost art kind of, except mm-hmm. for certain artists that still do it. But I I grew up listening to. Uh, I think the first rap album I ever bought was He's the DJ, I'm the Rapper, Fresh Prince, mm-hmm. uh, Fresh Prince, Jazzy Jeff. Cool. But then it that developed into starting to listen to New Edition, starting to listen to Bobby Brown. I had no idea that Bobby Brown had all the demons that Bobby Brown had, and I didn't care. His music was great. Um, mm-hmm. I also got to see him and Belviv DeVoe live recently at the Palace and that, with like two years ago. That was awesome. Really? Um, yeah, that was that was great. Kid Capri opened, and then they had uh, Joe was like the first performing hey. act, and then Inspire. and then it was the RB. What the hell was it? Ronnie, Bobby, Ricky, RBRM is what they were calling themselves. It was it was New Edition without Ralph Tresman is what it was, and I was like second row, and I'm like this is amazing. But anyway. <laughs> so but that's how the the love of like for me early rap music for me started and then it turned into listening i listen to vanilla ice and mc hammer and anyone that's my age that is a rap fan if they tell you that they did not own the fucking vanilla ice to the extreme tape oh my god they're lying they are yeah. lying like i didn't own that yeah you owned it and i saw you at the vanilla ice mc hammer concert at the pepsi arena i don't want to hear it but anyway Damn. um but then it turned into like listening to Snoop, Dre, Biggie came along. And the, the stories, not that I could necessarily relate to the stories they were telling, but it felt like an insight into a world that I knew nothing about, but was interested in learning. Mm. So, and that's how I kind of developed into becoming a fan of the music. And then I also listened to 
fifties music, like the four seasons, uh, Buddy Holly, Richie Valens. Um, I grew up on polka music. So my, my, my taste in music is all over the map, except for country. Not really a fan of country music, but that's just. <laughs> well, what country has is writing. Their writing is, yes. is the best. Their wordplay and punchlines and the way they structure songs. I mean, as a songwriter, I really respect them, but I was the same way. Like the sound of it, I was never into. And now that I'm writing them professionally, it's like, I'm like, oh, damn. Like these are the <laughs> best writers in the music game are there in, in, in one fashion, in the lyrical fashion they are. Mm -hmm. um, and there, then there's rap too, is similar. They're, they're also, I've noticed musicians, so to speak, you know, they, they can all play. And when you hear them live, which I think that's where I generally will base an artist. If I hear you live and you sound CD quality live, mm. I, I will like your music regardless of what the genre is. And to hear some of these country acts, and I shouldn't, you know, I always say that I don't like country music, but I'm like, actually, I do like Toby Keith. I like Brad Paisley. I like, uh, uh, shit, I can't think of his name. The dude that sang When the Sun Goes Down, Kenny Chesney. You know, mm -hmm. there are acts that I do like in country. Um, but I, and I also felt that way. I went and saw Good Charlotte a couple of different times locally back when Saratoga Winners, uh, before it burned down. Um, mm -hmm. I saw them at Saratoga Winners. And first of all, to sound good at Saratoga Winners was impressive. They sounded just like their CD. And I was like, all right, yeah. I liked them before going into it. Um, but to hear them do that live and I was like, mm, yeah, no, I can definitely fuck with this. So I started really messing around with like pop punk and getting into stuff like that. Cool, bro. So yeah, I'm, I'm all over the goddamn place with music. Anyway, I, you know, I started this whole thing saying you like the total package and it turns out as we talked about T-Pain being able to rap and sing, you can sing really pretty fucking good too. Yeah. I honestly, if I'm being real, on the mic, mm -hmm. I can, I can make it work in the studio. I'm not like naturally a, like a belter or anything like that. Right. Um, but a lot of a lot of singing and when you're recording is like your tone, um, how believable it is. Um, and I have like because of the rapping nature, I can do runs and I can do things that are like impressive because I'm able to rap fast. So it kind of, you know. Um, but I never took lessons and I didn't sing growing up until really recently. So. I'm really happy that I've kind of gained that skill. And I'm also around like my, one of my best friends is Stevie Mackey. He's like probably the best singer on the planet or one of, he's one right. of my favorite. Then my artist is my other favorite singer, Brandon Montel. So like, you know, and I'm talking like on the planet, not like, you know, like <laughs> out of my friend group. So being around his, you know, when I go to his place, he's working with Jojo one day, Kalani the next day. He's best friends with J-Lo, always with A-Rod, you know, he's Drake is like, looks up to him. So like getting lessons from him and being around him, coaching other people uh, has really leveled me up too, you know, um, obviously, but yeah. I mean, if you happen to run into Alex Rodriguez and he can land me some Yankee tickets, I'd, that'd be great. I just <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I haven't met him yet. I haven't even oh. met J-Lo um, through him, but. I'm sure in due time. I mean, we're, we're, you know, he's a man. He's such a sweet guy. He's just so busy. You could imagine like J-Lo always needs him and JoJo always needs him. All these artists. And I'm just like, it's his boy. He was like, oh, he's a rapper. But he put me in like his, uh, he has like a, a course online. So he put me as like a producer rapper learning to sing. And, mm -hmm. and he taught me like a song, you know, I was already singing a little bit, but right. it was cool to like, just you know be a part of that and yeah it's that's what's cool about out here like there's some you know you have you get access to shit that you just normally wouldn't you know right. you can interact with people that you wouldn't you learn you grow that way but there is a lot of like you know comparison it's like oh damn this person's doing that like there's no way to get to the top out here right. there's no top you know it's just mm -hmm. kind of, so that's like in albany i was like dude i'm like the biggest artist here the best <laughs> rap you know and actually rapping out here isn't really, you know, like when it comes to rapping, I feel confident that I'm one of the, you know, best ones out here in LA. But when it comes to songwriting and developing a hit song and producing and, you know, it's, it's an art out here that's been done for, I don't know, long, long before I was born. And yeah, I, 
I've never went to school for it. So I'm, I'm still learning it, but um, it's, it's dope to be out here because you learn like at a quicker pace and also a deeper level. Mm-hmm. I get that. It's funny too, to like, you know, when we talk about the capital region, I don't yeah. think a lot of people understand the, the hip hop scene that's in the capital region. Mm-hmm. I think I've mentioned it a few times uh, on other podcasts. Like I've had the chance to meet Travi McCoy a couple of different times through the radio station. Very cool. And uh, there was one, one time he, he was at SPAC. It was a surprise appearance. Maroon five was performing. Wow. It was like the headliner. And Travi was going to make an appearance because they did that stereo heart song with Maroon 5 and, uh, and Travi, where it was actually, it might've been gym class heroes with Adam Levine as right, the right. guest. But uh, so he was at SPAC. Nobody knew the label reached out to us. Hey, do you got anybody that can come up, do an interview with Travi McCoy? So I'm like, hell yeah, I'll go. And I had put it out on my right. Facebook page. Yo, I'm interviewing Travi McCoy today. Anybody got any questions? Just a typical thing. Like maybe I can throw in a fan question here or there. Sure enough, a a guy that graduated from Colony High, uh, graduated a year before me, PJ Katz, Jason Panucci, hits me up and goes, yo, ask him if he remembers recording in my apartment in Gilderland. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) I was like, I will. So before we, like before we start doing the interview, this is how I broke the ice. I looked at him and I go, now, first of all, Travis McCoy is like six, seven. I had no idea. He looks yeah. like a, he looks like a defensive end. I'm like, holy shit, you're big. But I go, yo, wow, that I was like, big. oh, dude, he's, he's gotta be 230, 235, six foot seven tall, like six foot seven. Yeah. He is a, I know, I, yeah. no, you, you, and I was like, Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense now that you talked about dunking on the president or dunking on the president's delegates and your dunking song. on the delegates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he can. He can dunk. I'm assuming he's so. I bet. Uh, yeah, he's reach his arm up. Yeah. So, I look at him and I go, "You know PJ Katz," and he just kind of stops and looks at me. He goes, "How do you know PJ Katz?" I'm like, "Oh, he graduated a year before me in high school. I used to play ball with him all the time at the Colony Community Center." He used to DJ all the high school dances. He's like, yo, we used to go. I go, so you remember his Gilderland apartment? He goes, yo, we used to record in the bathroom. All, like, and he just like ripped through like six hip hop artists from the capital region. Uh, Mr. Pigs, Shiesty, a couple of other these dudes from Albany. And I was just like, oh, okay. Ooh. And all of a sudden it was like, we were buddies. So it made the interview so much easier. And uh, so, like I was saying, you know, I don't think a lot of people understand the actual hip hop scene in Albany, which is unfortunate because there's a lot of talented dudes out here. They're just here. I think it's great that you you made the move out to where you are to make the moves. And, I, you know, performing at Summer Jams or Hot 97 Summer Jam was must have been pretty awesome. Yeah, it was great. It was great. <laughs> that was the year that like ASAP first came on and me and then Kendrick and big crit Nikki's first year, I think performing there too. Um, but yeah, Albany does have a, have a, an amazing hip hop scene. Actually, you know, have you heard of Merck? Merck. Uh, this guy Merck, uh, it's a band, but this is a guy, Joshua Merck. But anyway, one of my best friends from like all growing up, we used to, we, we were still best friends. We go away every year to like Hampton beach. And it's just like a re like a tradition we have, mm-hmm. but he started rapping. I think he got inspired by me partly. And okay. now he's like flowing and putting out songs and he works out of like Merck studio. And it's just pretty cool to see like, you know, like my homies, like he's, he's nice. Like he's actually, you know, cause like some people rap and it's like cringy and you're like, oh man, why did my friend start rapping? I can't support him. <laughs> him I can support. He's lyrical. He's playful. He's funny. He has like a brand. He's like kind of a superhero rapper. He's like Camtron okay. 5000. So, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, is it, is it Josh Merck? Yeah. Yeah. He's on my boy's album, Jack of all trades. Oh, cool. He's on uh, my I happened to go and run run across this uh, Jim Heffernan, who I've known for years. Turns out he was a, he's a producer. He can he, I didn't even know he could rap and he used to just freestyle. We were usually um, taking part in other activities, but he would start freestyling. Uh, but his album is called Needle Juice. 
And the song he did with Merck is called Salt of the Earth. And it's when I talk to Jack last, I go, yeah, it was my favorite 16 I have ever heard. And he goes, it's probably the last 16 I'll ever do. So your boy is on with my buddy. Oh, and cool. it was a and Jack was like, I'm done rapping. He just produces now. So it's, but as soon as you said that, I'm like, I've heard that name. I'm like, where? So I, that's, yeah, I was been listening around before I even started. And he, he, so he produces my boy Camtron and they have like a group now together. Um, damn, what's the group called? But it's like him, Camtron and two other people. Um, but it's cool, but it is, it's great to see like people are still hustling and they're nice and talent can live anywhere you know but obviously right. like the growth there's growth opportunities and other like career opportunities different places you go can be more expansive that's all um but you can you can create great shit in a fucking basement in brooklyn or albany or middle of nowhere you know yep maybe oh, the best. and you know i know i'm i'm assuming you got some stuff to do uh it's getting late on the east coast because I'm old and I got to go to bed soon. Uh, <laughs> I go to bed early too. Don't worry. <laughs> People are like, you're going to bed at 930? I was like, yeah. Because my ass has been up today. My body was like, we should get up at 530. I was like, oh, yeah. Fuck. I don't start work till 830. Why the fuck do I need to be up three hours before I start working? Right, right, right. So but my body tried, they tried, my body tried to pull that shit this morning. I'm like, all right, we'll <laughs> meditate. And then I, they're like, oh, fuck, I'm not meditating. I'll just sleep. And so I was like, Trick back. <laughs> folded. Uh, I will I will tell you that I'm extremely jealous that you got to open for Wu Tang because Wu is definitely one of my favorite acts still till this day. Uh wow. and growing up. I I loved Method Man. I had a 20-minute freestyle from Method Man when I was younger on tape that was uh from WNYU, which sounds wow. like a, I'm pretty sure it was a college station down there. And Meth was because actually Takal had not come out yet because in his freestyles there was like four different bars that i heard that i went that was on your album like i've heard that before <laughs> like so i'm like well he definitely had those bullets in the chamber waiting for something and put them out onto cal but they were on this freestyle first so sick. so uh dude i i this is the first time that i've gotten a chance to talk to you and, and to meet you i've definitely heard your name uh being around the area um and First of all, getting to know you a little bit in just like an hour. I love your energy. I love your vibe. Thanks, uh, bro. You are very zen, which is pretty mm -hmm. fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, growing up a Chicago Bulls fan. I like that because that's very Phil Jackson of you. Uh, <laughs> oh, thank you. That's a good comparison. There you go. <laughs> but but uh, I, I, definitely, I definitely like your vibe. I love to hear that you're doing great. Uh, and even though, like I said, we just met, I'm super proud of you holding it down for, you know, coming from the area and doing what you're doing. That's good shit, man. So thank you for, uh, taking some time out of your busy ass day to bless us on the podcast. I appreciate that. Totally bro. And I'm proud of you too, for, you know, having the low times coming out of it, crushing it, still being on the radio. It's dope as fuck to me. If you're on the radio, it's very cool. And definitely respect that and also transitioning into TikTok and yeah so I'm appreciative of having been on the show appreciative to get to know you too feel like we're friends now and like that's dope <laughs> so let's stay in touch and obviously we're busy and both have lives but um it'd be dope to connect again man you are far busier than me if I don't have my kids dude when I get done working I'm on the couch playing PlayStation you have kids it. you're busier than me I don't <laughs> care if you have zero job if you have kids you're busier than me I mean that's the they, that's the hardest job in the world. My brother has a girl now and it's, it's nonstop. So I can that's listen. That yeah. means I, people will take this the wrong way. That's fine. He's a real parent because having girls is way harder than having boys. They yeah. are, they are, a, well, obviously they're a different breed, but they are a different breed, man. They, they are not different. They're the same. No, well, <laughs> man, they get, they get smart so fast. Like I have friends mm -hmm. that have boys and I'm like, yo, your son is just running into the wall. Like that doesn't bother you. And like my daughter started talking at my youngest started talking at one years old or one year old. And people are like, that's great. I'm like, yeah, it's fucking awesome. She's 13. She hasn't shut up in 12 years. Damn. It's like, I'm like, that's a lot. That's a lot. I talk a lot. And my kid, I'm like, really? 
wow, really? But she's got me in her, which scares me. And I feel bad for any boys that cross her path at some point or anyone that crosses her path because that girl is sarcastic as can be. So cool. that's how my brother's daughter is. She's only like one and a half going on two and she's already making jokes. Like, yeah. Yep. Like all oh, this, like just fucking with you. And I'm like, <laughs> how do you have that level of like, like I was like survival mode until like 13 and she's like all happy and perfect. So like your childhood is so much better than mine must've been because I was just like, <laughs> uh, I think it's, uh, it's gotta be a male thing. I, I feel like, you know, once we you know, like, like 13 to maybe 18 and even in there, there are some of us into our twenties that really just like, you you are not right. And I tell people that all the time that, and they're looking at me and I'm, they're like, you do know you're a male. And I'm like, yeah, no, I lived it. I understand what I'm saying. I, I went through it. I just became intelligent the past decade. I was like, right. Dude, for know. me, it was like, there was like something that came on around 18, 19, and then another layer around 23, 24. Mm-hmm. And then now another layer is coming on around 30, 31. It's, it's not even like new intelligence. It's more like just owning what I have and my power, not being even confident, but just being, just knowing who I am. Right. But, uh, it is very interesting. I look back and I'm like, wow, I was really cocky for how little I knew. Like, <laughs> ignorance is bliss, man. Now yep. I know I know nothing. And now the world is like, oh, fuck. All right. I got <laughs> to figure this out. All right, man. Listen, great chatting with you. I will definitely stay in touch. Uh, and I'll hit you up about maybe doing the Psychic on the Scene podcast, too. That would be dope. I'm down.